this is part three of some of my best friends are racist. Something I say lovingly and tongue in cheek. Um, a series of podcasts I'm doing about how I'm learning to wrap my brain around taking responsibility for having difficult conversations with friends about race. This will be the third and for now, final episode I'll be doing on this particular topic. Hello, everybody. This is Streaming Consciousness. I've realized that I don't need anybody to do me favors by talking about race. If you have a Black friend and you don't want to engage with race, drop them. Do them a favor and drop them. Because one day you're going to do something out of your unconsciousness that is going to be really damaging. And you will have betrayed someone that you cared about without intending to. These are difficult subjects and they require all of us to work really hard. And it's really unfair for friends who are in the minority who are also having to deal with, you know, people of color. We deal with the level of garbage, unnecessary garbage that we deal with kind of on the regular is unreal. And then in addition to that, we're constantly worried about how we're coming across and how we're presenting and what people and, you know, what impression we're making in order to survive a lot of times, in order to get the job, in order to get the apartment, in order to have this meeting go well, in order, there's just a lot of work. And then that, for some of us who are like me, it translates into our friendships as well, where we don't like necessarily say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put down my, my burdens and you are going to do a lot of work too. We're both going to work. It's just automatic for me to assume the role of doing the work. And so recognize that if you're not, if you're white and you have friends, actually, it doesn't really matter what ethnicity you are. If you have friends of a different ethnicity and you aren't willing to engage with the issues that affect them, then you are forcing them to work far harder than they have to, than they should have to. And if you care for them, you should not permit that to stand. It's scary. I mean, I, I, there's a friend that I have who, you know, she's a white, she's white, but she is engaged with, the, you know, she had a black friend before me and started doing the work a long time ago. And she says it's really, it was really hard and it was really scary um, to start thinking about these things because she had to recognize areas that she didn't even know. You know, she didn't mean badly for her friend but she did ways in which she could might be hurtful that she had no idea that she might be so i i just encourage people to you know give it a go and if you are like me and you're old and you're used to if you're just and you're and you're used to just thinking white people are going to white people and not having this conversations because you know who needs the hassle i am pouring myself a cup of tea because oh, my throat is dry um, then I would encourage you to sit them down and have these uncomfortable conversations. And when you re when you see how badly these conversations, how easily these conversations can go so badly, you will be glad it'll break your heart first. <laughs> it'll break your heart. And then you'll be really glad that you did it because that stuff is laying there 
whether you guys talk about it or not. And it's going to show up at a time that's going to be super inconvenient for you, person of color. It's going to show up at a time, probably, quite possibly, when there's a lot of stress or pressure or anger, a time when it, it is the most damaging. So dealing with it now, if you recognize that you have a friend and they have a little pocket of like unconscious racism and you don't know what that's about, sit them down, tell them that you love them, tell them that you don't think that they're a racist and that you think that they're a wonderful person and that you think that we all have, this is the other thing I said to her, we all have issues in our thoughts about race because of the media, unless we have friends that are, you know, the United Nation of Friends, everything that we get about people of other ethnicities and cultures comes to us from television and music and the news. And that is not, that's going to lean into stereotypes. And so we are going to be thinking in stereotypes, whether we mean to or not. So say that to them, say that you have that problem as well, that, you know, I mean, I will talk about my own. I did. I haven't yet, but next time I will, if I ever have to do this again, which I hope I won't, because from now on, I'm picking friends who are who are already engaged in these and in, in doing their own work. That you know, you're talk about your own anti, your own self hatred issues, whether it's anti blackness or being anti Asian or whatever it is. Um, but set up the table to be as gentle, as non judgmental as non-accusatory as possible, practically to the point that you you barely even refer to them and what they do say or think. And then I think maybe the request, if you go, if you learn from me, (laughs) maybe the next thing to do is to request, I have gotten to the point where I've gotten the guts to request that my friends like, watch certain YouTubers or follow certain people on social media, people who have, um, who've done work in areas of like black thought and who are educators in those areas so that they can learn some things or, and it is amazing. Like just a month ago, the idea of doing that seemed like a really big deal to me. It seemed like, asking too much. And then I, you know, I'm sitting there having this conversation because it was another, I had a conversation with another friend that went badly. I'm having this conversation with her and she's giving me her very uninformed opinions about race and um, about, you know, why things are the way they are. And I, and I thought, you know, I think there, I think it's quite possible that people who are not of color assume that they know what's up about this whole business. I think that's possible. I mean, now myself, I have, I have been black all my life. I have been around white people all of my life. So I know all the many, many ways that whiteness shows up. Yes, people do make mistakes. We all do. Um, and I've also done a lot of reading and research and, you know, read about studies and, you know, read academic literature, et cetera, et cetera, on race and racial inequality and the way it shows up. 
etc. So I'm coming from like a really educated standpoint. And this person is coming from the standpoint of I don't like to think about race, so I don't. And now I'm going to explain it to you. The whys and the wherefores of racism. Mm, it's annoying. So <laughs> at the time, I was very, very much, um, but at that time, I was still feeling like it was too much of an ask to ask a friend to like, hey, what do you think about like following some people on social media and listening to what they talk about in terms of blackness and anti-blackness and all that stuff so that you have some point of reference that you can think about it and formulate your own thoughts and opinions and not look, don't look to me for it. Don't walk on eggshells around me. That is not what I want. What I really want is to be able to talk about race with you easily and not have to worry about tripping over the minefields of your, of your triggers um, because you're unconscious to your issues around race. But get conscious, wake up. Um, I, I see a couple of people. It's all about intent. People can learn too. And I'm going to, I, I appreciate that thought SJ, but I'm going to tell you intent isn't nearly as important as we think. I don't think so. If you step on my foot um, and break my toe, my toe is still broken whether you meant to step on my foot or not. So we cause each other all sorts of damage with good intent. And that's the other thing too. It's like with my white friends, all of them have super good intent. Their intent was good. My, well, I don't know if this last one, I think her intent was good. I think that she even believed that she liked me. I think she even probably made herself believe that, you know, we were friends and then, you know, just let go of that feeling when the time came for her to let go of that feeling. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think that, I think, most people have good intent, but still show up in really, really awful ways. Um, there are different limitations for different races, which makes it hard to find a balance. Different limitations for different races. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Um, in conversations about race, different limitations. Yeah. And not necessarily for different races, I think. I mean, some there are some things that are going to be difficult to talk to, some topics that are going to be more sensitive for people of color, depending on what their, their racial makeup is than others. Um, but it's also very individual. Like, I am super sensitive. I mean, like, um, I have to remind myself that... Uh, I can hardly even say it like uh, so like the term monkey um, that was something that I was called a lot as a kid um, and I will tell you that when I am around family or or friends or whatever their ethnicity and they and they're watching their kids climb around and be silly and then there's a you silly monkey that word always kind of ca causes a little bit of a a knee a, a knee jerk uh, um, discomfort like hot, touched a hot stove feeling in me, right? Not anger, but just like hurt or something. And I have to like dig into that and go, okay, this is, this is my thing. This is about old stuff and it's uncomfortable for me, but it's just, it's a, it's a cute way to think about your kids. Monkeys are cute. I like monkeys. Monkeys are adorable, 
but no. <laughs> so there are things that people, some people will be more sensitive about because of their own personal lived experience that has to do, that's connected to their ethnicity. I'm just going to, I'm reading what you say. SJ says, I noticed that white people don't even talk about race most of the time in contrast to other races. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because when you're of color, this stuff kind of affects you all the time. I mean, go and, and it affects you at the most inconvenient times because you're doing everything that everybody has to do for their lives that we all do. And then on top of that, for instance, I think I, you know, I told the story earlier about my dad taking us to breakfast and us being seated last, even though other people came after us. Um, he was just a dude on a Saturday morning, he's not a morning person anyway, who decided to take his kids out for pancakes. He did not want to deal with being black and what that meant in that, in that moment. That was not part of what he wanted. And so, yeah, you do find yourself talking about race a lot because it affects your life pretty much daily and it pretty much affects every corner of your life. So other races will talk cross-racially with people of color very, I mean, I find myself talking very comfortably to Latina people and Asian people about, you know, race and honestly whiteness because mm, it's kind of cute the way that white people don't think that whiteness is a thing when they are white. <laughs> That, that doesn't involve some shared experiences and shared ideas and ideologies, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, when you're at the top of the food chain, you're at the top of the food chain if you're a white male, which means that, you know, you can think of the world, you have the freedom not to think about race. And SJ says, um, even more between locals who are well-diversed. Yes. Yeah. Even, act even more actually between locals who are well-diversed. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, I mean, and I um, and it helps especially if in those groups when you know, especially when you're talking about like a local group, um, your group of friends, um, yeah, you do. You just automatically you talk about stuff. And it's not a big deal. And people step wrong. People say, you know, bring up some stupid stereotype, and you're like, dude, that is so racist. And then you laugh at each other, and you're like, oh, really? And you're like, oh, sorry. And then you laugh. It's not that big a deal. That's, I think that's the thing I really want. If there's a message, white people are not listening to me, but if there's a message that I could tell white people, being a little racist is not that big a deal. We all are. It can actually be quite hilarious if you're willing to talk about it, if you're willing to think about it. SJ says, I went to a predominantly black high school. I knew damn well I was white. <laughs> I bet you did. I bet you were told about how white you were all the time. It is for white folks in a black neighborhood. Exactly. And that is, I mean, you have a unique perspective when, of being the one who is, you know, the only white person in a room, which is an experience I think probably most white people have not had. Um. And it's a, and it's not something that they think they think about. I mean, and when it once it happens to them, it's kind of it, it's a it's an it's a wake up call. Your name was white girl. Mm. Now, was that affectionate in any way, or was it all bad? I would like to know. I'm curious. You're the Latina. <laughs> 
Because I, what I've noticed, and I, I might be wrong here, but among my black friends, like, I've had that, like, the, the black friend group with, like, a couple of, age, a couple of Latin, Latina people and, or Latino people and a couple of, uh, and a couple of white people, right? And we might tease them a little, but it's all in fun and it's all love. No, it was meant to, it was meant to antagonize. I'm sorry that happened to you. I really am. And I hope it got better. Hi, Ronnie. Welcome. Some of them were somewhat affectionate. Okay. Like your first high school girlfriend. Oh, well, I'm glad. Um, and if we could talk about this stuff like more easily. And she was black. Okay. Excuse me. I think that we could, I think we could like, I, I'm a big believer in conversation and the power of it. I believe in the power of words. I believe that the unsaid is what's dangerous in relationships between people. Um, and saying things, you know, sunlight is the best disinfectant. So when you say something, like for instance, this conversation that I had, it was really difficult and it went badly. But it also showed me where we really were in terms of our relationship. Um, and SJ says, I just want to say, and I don't care what anybody thinks about me when I say this, but I effing love black people. I love black people more than white people, more than white people, way more than white people. Oh, that is really I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> I don't. Because, I mean, I, I love, I will say that I, I think it's great that you love black people. I think that's wonderful. Um, and I don't even, I don't even know what to say to that. I don't see, like, I'm, I'm iffy. I don't know if that's okay. I don't know if that's, is that, is it okay for you to love white people, black people more than white people? I don't know. I, if that's how you feel, I think it's fine. And I don't think that you would go out and, like, say, do something terrible to a white person. And you seem like you're fairly aware about your attitudes around race. Um, white people and I have never gotten along, have never had common, common ground. And I'm going to say to you what I said to myself when I realized that, when I said to myself, because at first I would say to myself, every white woman that I've ever been in relationship personally or professionally with has betrayed me, whether the betrayal was big or, or little. And what I would say to myself first was just that and then into the conversation. Um, but there are people just like, there's, there are what, 7 billion people on the planet, 7 billion. I'm really bad at numbers. There might be more. There, I think there's more than that, right? There's there's a bunch of people on the planet. I'm really bad at this. <clears throat> there's a bunch of people on the planet. And most of them are not people that I would want to share a, a subway ride with. Never mind having my bubble as a, as a close friend. Um, so it's going to be rare for me that I find people of any ethnicity that I'm going to love and adore. So occasionally... And I, I do recognize that white people who are who are conscious and conversant about race are rarer than white people 
who are unconscious and who are mute and unable to speak about race. I would say that the vast majority of white people are very uncomfortable about race and just choose not to think about it and not to talk about it and blah, 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 because it makes them uncomfortable. But my willingness to accept that is what is what is meant, what, that has been the reason why I have been betrayed in every, in every one of those relationships. Because I did not look at, I did not look at what I saw. They were unconscious, but I was not. I saw, I was like, okay, I could see the shape of their racism. I could kind of get a sense of what it was about and even sometimes what the root was. Um, but they were completely unaware. So it was my responsibility to act like I knew what I knew. But I gave, I, I let myself off the hook because I was scared, because it was uncomfortable, because I didn't know what to do or how to do it. Um, and what I've come to is, and I thought there was a shortcut, which is like, you know, if, as long as they're, if, as long as their, their racism is sort of holed up over here by itself and it's not uh, touching our relationship and they're unconscious of it and they mean well, everything should be fine. But it was never, ever, ever, ever that like that. So being willing to like be open to people, but also to hold them accountable and to hold myself accountable makes a difference. As my friend says, you know, you'll be interested to see the kinds of people who now come in because you're making room for better engagements and better friendships by, um, by having cleared, cleared all this other stuff out. Um, SJ says they don't even get close enough to me to have a relationship. It's the shame passed down from past generations. That's karma. As long as anyone has hate in their heart, it'll be a battle between love and fear. We need to let go of our fears and just love each other. I, you know, that was beautifully said. Beautifully said. Um, so I had some other stuff to talk about, but I've already now I've already been here an hour. Um, so this was the last conversation. It was the one that I would I feared would go badly, because like I said, my I, I sensed, and that's the other thing for people of color. What you sense is probably accurate. So don't let anybody gaslight you into telling you that what you saw, you didn't see, what you felt, you didn't feel. Because each of these conversations has gone, even though I've approached them, well, one of them I didn't, but two, the two conversations, I'll, I'll go with the two that where it was absolutely clean. Both of them have gone almost exactly as I expected, even though I approached them with the exact same attitude because, you know, I was freaking out and also the same language. And the one went okay. She didn't quite get it, but it went good. And then the other one went really badly. And I believed before I had either of those conversations that that would happen, that, you know, one would go pretty well, but that she might not totally get it. And I feared, which is why I saved it for last, that this one would go badly. And it went really badly. It went really badly. And... um 
and I keep kind of like trying to step back from what I know, which is that these conversations have to be had, have to be had. I keep trying to say, is there a way that I can walk this back and it not be this? Because, but the fact is, is that unconsciousness, areas of unconsciousness are dangerous to other people. And I'm not saying we're always all going to be conscious of everything, but something this big, um, there's no reason to be unconscious of it unless we're just not willing to, we're, unless we're just willing to be okay with the other person navigating our issues and our traumas without any assistance from us, without any work from us. Um, so I am, don't let anybody tell you that you don't know what you know. Um, try to come into the conversation, try to keep it simple, you know, short, be clear about what you want, what your intention is before you go into it. Um, it is totally okay to ask them to do some work by saying to them, hey, you, I, here's what I would like you to do. I would like you to do some reading and have and I haven't done this yet, but I think uh, the next time, if I have to do this again, hopefully I won't, but the next time I do this, um, I will have like, and I, and I will probably go back to one of my friends and say, hey, you can, there's this YouTuber, have a, have a couple of YouTubers, something that's, hello, my lad. So have some YouTubers or something, someone, I like T1J and I like Tinoa because both of them, T1J I think his his channel is he's a black guy. I think it's mostly directed at white people, and so that might be more comfortable for people. Um, and and uh, for Tinoa, she's I think she's fantastic. I think she's just kind of like adorable and like funny, and she talks and her issues tend to be like about how technology, where technology, issues where technology, social media, and race intersect. And uh, she talks about that. And whereas T1J tends to be like, you know, you probably don't have any, you know, if you're not, you why you probably don't have any black friends <laughs> kind of thing. Um, that is more, it's more general knowledge type things. So I find those two very, very helpful. So T, Noir, N-O-I-R. T-E-E-N-O-I-R on YouTube. Um, so feel free to give them stuff that, you know, they can go away and look at and, and impress upon and then repeat yourself toward the end of the conversation. Repeat everything that you said, because at the beginning, I can almost guarantee you they were not hearing you past the rush of terror in their ears. They were too scared, too freaked out to hear you properly. So at the end, go back through, say it all again. I don't believe you're a racist. I love you. I think you're wonderful. Um, I have noticed this area that there seems to be some area of unconscious racial stuff that I don't know what it is. And maybe um, it would be cool for me. And I don't want you walking on eggshells and worrying about offending me. I, ha I have a thick skin. I can take it. But what I would love is to be able to talk to you freely and comfortably about race. And so maybe what you can do, there's this, there's this article, there's this YouTuber, there's this, this person on social media who you can follow and, you know, 
find out a lot of stuff from blah, 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 blah. So this is what I've learned. Learn from my experience <laughs> of doing this very badly. I mean, I feel bad. I mean, I, I did it badly, but I don't feel and give yourself, cut your, cut yourself some slack. Recognize that a bad outcome does not mean that you, you were wrong to bring it up, that you were wrong to bring it out because all the bad outcome did was reveal what was already there. Like I had a friend who, you know, I felt at the time when I would talk to her about race that she was just sort of, what's the word, patronizing me. Um, and then I did realize that after we talked that, yeah, she was patting herself on the back for being a good white person for listening to the black girl talk about white, about race. And I was like, okay, all right, yeah, so that feeling that I had, that was correct. <laughs> um so a, bad, so a bad outcome does not mean that you did it wrong. You don't have to do it perfectly. They're not doing it perfectly. You really don't have to be perfect in these conversations because the fact is, is that all the labor is on you. When you're dealing with someone else's unconscious issue, they aren't working on it at all. So when you bring it to them, you're the one who's doing the heavy lifting. If it goes badly, don't, don't beat yourself up. Don't, and recognize too that if it goes really badly and this, the, the, relationship, the relationship doesn't look like it can, be, it can be salvaged, also give it air, give it space. If, it, if the person is important enough to you, give them room to, come, like this friend that I, this quote friend that I have, I don't know what's going to happen with her. It might be that she'll take some time and she'll she'll do some thinking and she'll actually re she'll reflect on what I actually said instead of what she's trying to make me have said and recognize that I was not trying to hurt her. And maybe she will, you know, and maybe we'll have different conversations at a different time. Um, but if that doesn't happen, I know that I did the best I could. And I know that the bad outcome is on her and not on me because I did the best I could. Uh, I was as kind as I knew how to be, kinder, <laughs> and her bad reaction is all about her issues. So love her though I do, I do not take responsibility for that. And so I would encourage anybody who is trying to have these conversations to like, like I said, clear in your intention, keep it simple, ask for something specific. Encourage them to go away and do their own work and tell them why that will be helpful to you. And so that's me having rattled on for, you know, an hour and 20 minutes. Um, you just had deja vu. Why did you have deja vu? Hi, Ash. Welcome. Your words, my dog, my sack, etc. I don't know. <laughs> I know deja vu is weird. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, you're stoned. Uh, I wish I was stoned. No, I don't actually. <laughs> well, it is the best way to listen to me. I, you know, if even if you're not paying attention to what I say, hopefully the sound of my voice is relaxing. <laughs> uh, 
and thank you everybody for the you know the engagement i really appreciate it it's really sweet of you ay 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 what a crazy crazy guy it's friday night though i mean i know i should like end the show but it's friday night and i'm a little bored so <laughs> you're thoroughly enjoying it well thank you very much i'm glad that you are Oh, so like I'm going to go into a different topic then. I'm going to have to divide this up when I like actually post it to the, the podcast. So here's the different topic. All right. This is a totally separate. I mean, it's still about race. It's about being a black black woman. So I was listening to King of Reads because, you know, I've become obsessed with YouTube these days because, you know, TV is just so predictable. And I've watched so much of it with the pandemic. But YouTube is a fresh new world. So I was listening to this guy, King of Reads, or I wanted to. But he, he was going to, like, recap the Real Housewives of the Potomac um, uh, reunion. <clears throat> and I, I don't watch Real Housewives of the Potomac. And I don't watch New Jersey. And I don't watch Atlanta. And I don't watch Orange County. I don't watch Orange County because I, you know, I came on, you know, I, I'm, I'm too late to the party and I'm not really, I haven't really been ready, willing to like watch all the seasons in order to catch up. Um, I stopped watching Atlanta because um, I don't like the fact that reality television leans into the stereotypes by giving white people what they want to see, which is black women fighting and acting fools. And so I'd stopped watching that. I'd also stopped watching New Jersey for a similar reason, because what I realized was like, I was starting to have my opinions about Italian Americans were starting to change because of watching Real Housewives of New Jersey. And I thought, okay, so there, so it's not just, you know, anytime they, that there's an ethnicity present, I think they tend to lean into it and lean into giving the people what they think that the people want. And so I stopped watching New Jersey and I, you know, I never really watched Potomac for the same reason as Atlanta. And I just decided no more ethnic housewives for me. So I final, so I, you know, King of Reeds is going to talk about it and I'm going, okay, well, I kind of want to hear what he has to say. So even though I haven't watched the season, maybe I'll go back and I'll, and I did, I went back and I watched the reunion it was three episodes. The last episode was an hour and a half. The longest reunion on record, apparently. It is tainted. Um, the longest, the longest one on record. And I'm and I'm watching these really beautiful women, most very light-skinned, most very wealthy. Um, and I'm listening to the way that they are talking to and about each other. And I start thinking about Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> I start thinking about immediately about Star Trek Discovery. And I don't know if anybody else here is a fan of Star Trek Discovery. I'm probably the only one. And I'm going to spoil just a little bit. Some of them are wealthy-ish anyway. Well-to-do, let's say. Um, yeah. They're not poor. How's that? They're, they're definitely a in a privileged class. Uh, at least on Potomac. Uh... So, so like I started thinking about, I watched, there's an, I'm going to spoil part of an episode of Star Trek Discovery. If it will, if that, if you were going to watch it, plug your ears. 
Um, so there's a moment where um, Michael Burnham, who is a woman, and she's, uh, she's black, um, she's going into this kind of ritual, Vulcan ritual logic ceremony kind of thing where she wants something from, you know, Vulcan and they won't, don't want to give it to her and she has to give her reasons. And her mother says to her, it is not enough for you to tell them what it is you want and why it's important to the Federation. You also have to be honest about your intent and what's in your heart. And I watched this episode. It was so weird because when she said it, I thought, no, (laughs) you can't do that. No, 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 no. Logic. Let's, you know, let's go with the arguments, you know, what's, what's, the best thing, the best reasoning and all that stuff. I would, I, and she stood in that room and she had to be, she, she did not, uh, she, she gave all the reasons, all the, all the, all the logical arguments, the scientific arguments, and they were unmoved. And her mom is like, calls her out in front of them. And it's like, you need to talk about your emotional reasons, the reasons in your heart. And she's like, yeah, mom, right. That's going to happen in just a second. And she keeps talking and finally gets called out for real. And then she has, her mom says, what she doesn't want to tell you is this, this, and that. And then she starts talking about it. And I thought to myself, isn't that is, I think that is, while I was watching the Real Housewives of the Potomac, I'm watching these women and they could be, they're ready to cut each other with words. They're ready to call each other out, et cetera, et cetera. But not a single one of them feels safe enough to, to talk about their heart. And I know for myself, I'm the same way. I'm very, very, it's very, very much, this is a new experience for me. This is me trying to be, trying to engage. Not, I don't want to be dead from the neck down anymore, as Ayana would say. I have been for a really long time, you know, life gets difficult and I lock things down. I lock, you know, the stuff that hurts me up. I even lock, you know, but unfortunately that locks you away from, from joy too. So blah, blah. Um, and so this, these little conversations that I have with, well, this time I'm having it with people. But usually it's just a couple of us here and uh, I usually start out with just by myself um, is that black women are really afraid to talk about their hearts. They're really afraid to be vulnerable and to express the hurts and um, their pain and areas of emotion. And we, we, Tell each other, like, constantly, you got this. You know, soldier on is what you say to yourself, soldier on. You know, um, you know, no way, no way out but through. All, I mean, there are just all these things that we kind of say to each other whenever one of us is going through a hard time that does not in any way respect the difficulty of the time and the toll that that difficulty takes on the person. We do not tend to give that to each other. We do not tend 
to extend that. We do not tend to invite each other to like take a moment and fall apart. I'm right here and I've got you. You fall apart, you go to pieces. I'm right here. We don't really do that with each other because there's something about one, it's like we're all carrying so much garbage and so much unexpressed stuff that we just like, you know, put down into the boxes, into the big old trunk and squished down and sh and shut the lid on and locked up and then put that box into a bigger box with made of metal and locked that box. We are so accustomed to doing that, that when we see another one of us really, really genuinely kind of falling apart, we get angry a lot of times, not every time, not all of us. Some of us have done our work and we know how to be there and how to, how to be there for each other and for ourselves. But for a lot of us, it is difficult because you see another black woman breaking and what happens is your stuff starts rattling. You can feel it. You can feel it starting to rattle inside and you're like, you know, no, 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 don't you dare. You're you're saying, so you're like saying to this other woman, no, 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 don't you dare go there. Don't you dare. Because if you break, I break, Jack. No, no breaking allowed. And we, so hopefully we'll get to a place where we start addressing our pain and our trauma. And I'm looking at these women and I'm like, I feel like they're locked in it. They are locked in it. And I recognize it because I've seen it in my mother I've seen it in my grandmother. I've seen it in the women in my generation around me who, you know, give their daughters so little in terms of love and understanding and appreciation and affection and tenderness. It is a little insane. Yes, I agree with you. There are a lot of lies. And I think that for... There are so many, there are so many variables, SJ. And I, I will say that I, that while I, I'm speaking of this as a black woman, I do recognize that this is something that is probably pretty common in a lot of marginalized communities because you just don't have the time to unpack all the garbage. You don't have time to unpack. You got a life to live. You got to get kids fed. You got to get jobs worked. You got to get laundry done. You got to get cars fixed. You, there are just there's just way too much to do to think about your brokenness. No time. And with women, um, I think we tend to be placed, be offered, <laughs> to be offered. Like you know, someone saying, "Hey, would you like to have this?" I'm not sure. Just if you feel like it. But we tend to be offered a greater share of the burdens uh, that people have. So we don't. We don't deal with our stuff. And I can't, I can't, I don't know how it works for other marginalized groups, how, um, it, how I have seen signs of it. I've seen, you know, I've seen signs that, you know, black women are not the only one who raised their sons like princelings. I'm not going to say all black women do, but there is that, there's that, there's that definite contingent where, you know, you have sons and then you have a daughter. And the son gets all the love, not all the love, but all the like leeway. And the daughter gets all the restrictions and the surveillance and the necessity to not be too much of a hassle. It's kind of a pain in the neck. 
when it SJ says, when it comes down to it, I honestly think that we should pay more attention to personality types as opposed to race. That also includes personality disorders. And I agree with you 100%. I agree with you. I really, really do. I do think that there should come a time when it's about personality types. And I do think that in marginalized communities, your personality types determines how you process you know, racial trauma or any kind of trauma. And also, um, and I do feel that when it comes to their to to the whole the whole field of psychology and psychotherapy, that they face they put far too little emphasis on trauma, because even personality disorders, even mental illnesses, when you track them back, so many of the people have history of trauma. And we don't do enough education in this country, in, in the psychological field, about trauma. And we certainly don't, haven't done enough about racial trauma and that kind of stuff. Um, no one ever really talks about it, but it's very relevant and applicable to the problems and therefore to the solution. And yeah, I agree with you. Um, I am sort of working on a thing. I'm sort of working on starting like an artist support nonprofit. Yes, most of the people who benefit at first will be black, and if if not, and then it'll be like, you know, people who are broke, but older, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but one of the requirements is going to be that you have to talk to one of, there, we'll, we will have count, a counselor or two that, will, that that person will have to talk to. Because um, one of the things about creative people is that once you start really engaging your creative self, uh, trauma, wherever your trauma lives, starts lighting up. It starts visiting you, it starts sticking up a tent going, hello, how are you? I'm here to terrify you into silence. <laughs> and so um, I think that we all need therapy. I believe in therapy for, therapy for everybody. It's ridiculous to me that it's so difficult to get therapy. Um, I really think it, I think, really think that it's unfortunate they don't consider that people, the fact that people have past lives and have karma. You're a rapper. Best and most challenging catalyst of my life. That's amazing. That's fantastic. So that's SJ's. SJ is a rapper. I think that's so cool. Congratulations. I, you know, isn't it amazing? It's wonderful, right? When you do stuff, when you have a creative outlet. You just kind of, and I believe everybody's creative. Everybody is. You're Jane Shady, no relation to Slim. Okay. Nice. Um, so I do, I believe that, I, I think you're right. We are, we are all kind of messed up as people. Everybody in this country needs therapy. <laughs> we just all do. Because even if it's not, I mean, if you're not, if you're not messed up or crazy, then it's a nice spa day. I mean, there's, I will tell you when I, I, have, a, I have a therapist and when I am not like having some kind of crazy crises going on, usually I don't. 
it is very, very much like I come in. I don't have to think, talk, worry about you, which is cool because usually I don't know how to have a conversation with someone without worrying about them a little. So I come into your office. I say all the things, dump all my junk on your desk, (laughs) get up and leave. And you get paid and that's what you get paid to do. And I feel so much better. It's like I had a nice, like I had a nice, like um, emotional facial or massage. It's really nice. I think that it's good for everybody, even if you're not messed up, but everybody, but people are, people are like obsessed with the idea that going to therapy means something negative about a person and it doesn't it just means that you're you're talking to somebody who that you're paying and you're not hassling your friends i mean because i mean not not, there's nothing wrong i mean like with going to your friends and stuff but you know it is nice I, i i'm a verbal processor so i work through things by talking about them so a hence the podcast and two therapy because it means that I can talk to him about the same issue a thousand times in a row if I want to that helps me and then one day I don't need to talk about it anymore oh yes I remember Dr. Laura and I will tell you as much as I think that she's a little nutty now I really really liked her for a really long I mean she was very helpful to me when I was like uh, in that whole 18, 19 age range. But um, I think she's lost the plot as well at some, she just lost the plot. Yeah, I, there was, yeah, there are a couple of things that she did that I just thought, wow, you, I, the whole, that book, um, 10 Stupid Things Women Do to Mess Up Their Life. Oof, that book is my jam, or was. Did I hear her last cast? No, I haven't listened to her in years. Hi, everybody. Oh, my gosh. Hi, people who are coming in. Oh, you mean the last time she was like on the radio? I heard that. She said it 11 times. She did. I thought that was horrific. Ah, that was just I felt so badly for the woman. I felt so badly for her who called in. I just thought. Okay, yeah, it's like, it's not like you've never, ugh, horrible. People are stupid. People are really dumb. <laughs> you you cringe so hard, you, blew, you broke a blood vessel. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, I, it, it, it wasn't even that she said the word, it was the unnecessary cruelty. That happens sometimes when people are not talking to the person they're talking to, but to their race. She was not listening to this woman's pain. She was not listening to her frustration and, you know, what she was feeling. She was, she decided to use this woman's pain and frustration and her coming to her for help to make a point, a larger point to uh, faceless black people that she thought should think a different way. And I thought, you know, that was not okay. And that's a thing that racism does a lot is that 
talking past you, the person in front of me, to everyone so that I don't have to deal with like this moment here, the thing that we are actually talking about. And I thought, you know, I would have, I would, I would have had advice for the lady, you know, but you know, what can I say? Remember that young girl, fish rapper, white Daniel, I don't know, who said inward in her one hit wonder. I don't, I don't listen to rap. I'll be real. I stopped listening to rap in the nineties. Once they started calling me, you know, started calling women bees and hoes, I, I was out. I was like, I don't care how good the beat is. That's it. I'm done. Because you know what? You are not going to build this industry on me. So I'm done. So I, I don't know. I don't know about her. But I imagine there's been all kinds of nonsense and shenanigans since I, I lost interest. Since I lost interest in rap. I mean, I used to love it. I mean, like... Queen Latifah and my sister soldier and uh, Arrested Development and most stuff. I mean, there were just like so many people. I'm, you know, kind of weird, alternative, quirky, kind of underground kind of sound that is that was different or interesting or cool, but it got all got drowned out by gangster rap. She fought with the Cash Me Outside girl? I did not know that. Oh, that's too bad. All right, guys. I really have, I think I've talked myself out and I've probably talked a couple of you into a coma. Thank you for coming. That was, this has been amazing. This has been very cool. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to actually have to edit this one because usually I'm too, I'm super lazy about putting up podcasts. I just, I just, I do the thing and then I put the whole thing up on, up there <laughs> without editing it. But I, I'm going to have to edit this one. Uh, so at least it's a couple of parts. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. Thank you for the engagement. Thank you for listening. Be well, my darlings. You are much love for me. And please, you know, take care of yourselves take care of each other um give yourself some gentleness give each other some gentleness and compassion and try to remember that we are it is just as easy i, I love Brene brown who talks about her husband her husband steve and what he says about people when they're messing up is that it is just as easy to imagine that people are doing the best they can as it is to imagine that they're doing, they're not. So if we can give each other the benefit of the doubt and assume that everybody's doing the best they can, we are all, I think, doing the best we, we can in a really difficult time. So peace and love and all the jazz. Be good. And um, thank you for coming. I, I just feel really privileged to have had your ears tonight. Good night. Streaming Consciousness signing off.